Hi all, I'm Amanda and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm dishing all my meal planning and meal prepping tips to help you busy mamas to put real food on the table and relieve stress and overwhelm in your lives. This is episode eight, Decision Fatigue, what it is and six ways to overcome it. Jumping right into today's episode, a few months ago when I was just starting to plan this podcast and this change of direction for my food business, I put a question out there on Facebook to see just what my audience is struggling with when it comes to family mealtime. I got lots of great answers and I will be addressing many of them with this podcast and other great content that will be forthcoming, but one thing stuck out to me that I want to dedicate this episode to. When answering the question, what do you most struggle with about making homemade meals, a good friend of mine stated, decision fatigue is a real thing and it makes meal planning tricky. I had heard about decision fatigue before through books and podcasts, but I hadn't thought about it in a while. But when I read her comment, I thought she's totally right. Uh, There's a reason that everyone out there wants a meal plan. If you've been listening, you know that this is not something I suggest. At least this is not something that I suggest outsourcing entirely. If you want to know more about why I suggest making your own meal plan, you can sign up for my mini course, which is available in the show notes or on Instagram at the link in profile. Anyway, I've heard dozens of people say, if someone could just tell me what to make, I would be happy to make it. There have also been dozens of times in my own life when I've sat down to make my own weekly calendar and I can't think of one single thing to cook for dinner. It's even worse when I haven't meal planned and it's already dinner time and I'm staring at frozen raw chicken from the freezer, dozens of cans, thinking there has to be something I can make out of this, but I can't think of anything. Choosing what to cook is a huge hurdle to consistent homemade meals. So what exactly is decision fatigue? Okay, so first off, a little disclaimer, I'm absolutely not a mental health professional of any kind, so I am re-explaining this in the way that I've heard it explained the best way that I know how. If you want to delve deeper, I will put some resources for some research about this in the show notes. And if any of you are an expert on this topic or know an expert, hit me up. I'd love to share more about this in an interview in another episode. Anyway, decision fatigue, as I understand it, is the idea that your ability to make good decisions diminishes the more decisions that you make. If you were to ask someone why they ate that brownie, even though they have been trying to eat better, they would probably say something like, I just didn't have the willpower to resist. But in reality, their decision-making brain was just tired, making that decision more difficult to make. There have been some really, really cool studies about decision fatigue that illustrate this in action. A Princeton University study revealed that prisoners were more likely to be granted parole if their hearing was in the morning. Judges were, judges were more likely to make the safer choice or in a way avoid making a decision by denying parole when their mental capacity was drained in the afternoon. They would not grant parole even in cases very similar to cases where they had granted parole that very morning. Some very famous celebrities know about decision fatigue and have taken steps to minimize it in their lives. Steve Jobs was famous for always wearing a black turtleneck. Mark Zuckerberg wears a hoodie and a gray t-shirt. Barack Obama wore a gray or blue suit and said it was a conscious decision. He said in a 2012 interview with Vanity Fair, You'll see I wear only gray or blue suits. I'm trying to pare down decisions. I don't want to make decisions about what I'm eating or wearing because I have too many other decisions to make. 
While the decisions we make daily might not be quite as important as the decisions of the president, we are all faced with a zillion decisions to make every single day. And every one of these decisions wears us down, making the rest of the decisions we have left much more difficult to make. Some of the decisions we have to make are important. Others are not so much. In this episode, I want to share some of my tactics for avoiding and overcoming decision fatigue, particularly when it comes to meal planning, so we can feel less stress and overwhelm and save our mental capacity for the most important decisions. So here are some of the ways I've found to minimize decision fatigue. I'm going to go over six different strategies. Number one, stop making the same decisions over and over. A lot of the decisions we make are very cyclical in nature. We tend to do the same thing every day. For example, every morning we are going to wake up and have breakfast. I think many people out there have subconsciously taken the decision making out of what to eat for breakfast and eat the same thing every day. But many of us are waking up and starting the day and not sure what we're going to eat for breakfast or what we're going to eat for lunch, what snack we should grab from the vending machine. Should I grab that handful of candy from Susie's desk on the way to lunch? This is just one day, and these are only decisions related to food. Wouldn't it be easier to just decide what you are eating for the week and only make that decision once? Some people might be able to accomplish this by eating the same thing every day, but I like and crave variety too much to do that. And that's okay. Even if you crave variety like me, you can totally make this work for you. Though I can't eat the same thing every day forever, it is easy for me to choose to eat the same thing for just breakfast and lunch for a week. When I'm meal planning, I choose a breakfast and a lunch, and I prep enough of that to eat for the whole week. If you're interested in what I include in my meal plan, I've included a meal plan planner um, in a previous episode, but I'll go ahead and include a link to that in the show notes if you're interested in a planner to help you plan out your week. So there will be a link to that down in the show notes. Anyway, I also like to keep some consistency in what I'm eating for breakfasts and lunches, even though I'm switching it up a little bit every week. So for example, my favorite breakfasts are some kind of a breakfast skillet with eggs, potatoes, veggies, and maybe a protein. So if I have time and I'm kind of on top of life, that's usually what I'm going for. And I do meal prep that a little bit to help me out to make it quick and something that I can do in the morning. But if life is a little crazier at that time, I'm more likely to opt for a smoothie with a grain like a muffin. And again, a lot of this is meal prepped because I'm not going to wake up and make muffins every morning. For lunch, in the summer, I almost always eat a salad every day, and I'll switch up the proteins, the dressings, the toppings each week, but it's a salad every day. In the winter, it's more likely to be a soup or a chili that I make a batch of to last me throughout the week. Deciding what to eat ahead of time not only clears up space for other more important decisions, it also encourages me and can encourage you to make healthy choices because I don't have to continue to resist the unhealthy food again and again and again. Obviously, there will be instances where you're faced with other food decisions outside of your home, but within your home, you can really pare down and control those decisions. Deciding what to eat in advance also helps to clear my head for other decisions that come up throughout the day. My focus with this podcast isn't really on diet or health food, but on cooking productively, especially for you moms. But the cool thing is that many of the habits that I'm teaching will kind of spill over into other areas of your life and you should see benefits all around. And this is just one of those times where there can be a health benefit to planning your meals in advance as well as the time-saving element. Okay, so we're going to move on to the second way that you can minimize decision fatigue and that is to delegate decisions. 
You don't always have to be the one in your family who decides what to have for dinner. Try having a family meeting. Family meetings are something that I suggest for other reasons um, and are key to your productivity. So I suggest having this regardless of whether you're going to have people help you choose meals. But what I suggest is to give everyone in your family who is old enough a day to choose. Consider having a mini nutrition lesson with your kids where you teach them about balanced meal planning. Nothing crazy, but you can teach them to choose a protein, carb, and veggie and go over what foods fit into each of these groups so that their meals are balanced. Their combinations might be a little funny, but your kids will love being included and you'll have fewer days of meals to come up with. You can also delegate other decisions that you have to make about your kids uh, to clear up more space in your brain. So try to delegate any of the less important decisions like what to wear, what to play to your kids and see if you feel more clarity and they feel more autonomy, even if they insist on rain boots every day, which I have definitely been there. Uh, Moving on to number three, develop routines and be consistent about them. Routines are the lifeblood of our family and probably yours as well. When our routines are in place, my kids know what to expect and I have happy thriving kids and usually a happy thriving mom. When things get thrown out of whack from vacations, staying up late, too many exceptions to the rules, then we all feel it. The reason routines help to diminish decision fatigue is that routines can take some of the daily decisions we have and automate them. Maybe you're tired of deciding 100,000 times a day whether or not your kids can watch TV, play with the iPad, have a treat, have a snack. Before we had set up consistent routines, I felt like I was literally making unimportant decisions for the things my children demanded all day long. By the end of the day, a simple question like, can I have a snack at four would send my brain spinning wheels for five minutes before I could answer. My thoughts were, well, you had a snack an hour ago and we're eating dinner in an hour. They won't eat their dinner if they have a snack, but maybe they're actually hungry. Did they eat all of that last snack? Doing this all day long for every decision was completely draining. So how do you solve this? I suggest you choose the times that are appropriate for your children to have a snack. Serve snacks every day at that time without them having to ask and don't serve snacks at other times. It will take some consistency at first while your kids get used to their new routine, but ultimately it will be comforting to them to know what to expect. They know they don't have to go they know they don't have to go hungry because a snack is always planned and coming. You can and should have routines about lots of different things and as you develop them over time you will find your mind is less tired and you will have space for the things that you actually care and want to think about instead of the mundane and necessary tasks of life. Okay, my fourth tip for overcoming decision fatigue is to make related decisions at the same time. So this tip is pretty similar to the first tip about making the same decision over and over, but it's just different enough that I still wanted to include it. So when should you be choosing what to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner? Well, in my opinion, the most efficient time to make this decision is when you are meal planning. When you make decisions this way, it's almost as if you're wrapping up 100 small decisions in a nice package and instead making one big decision. You don't have to plan anything fancy, but what if when you're at the store, instead of grabbing 10 kinds of cereal, because what if you need them, you're buying only enough of whatever meal you have chosen and you know you're going to have enough and that your kids won't be hungry because everything is mapped out for you. 
just a little side note, if you do this, you'll start to see yourself saving money too on those impulse buys. You can also choose to decide what you're going to do with your whole day in the morning instead of by the hour, wrapping up that, how am I going to be productive and spend my day all in one big decision? My next tip is to simplify the decisions you do have to make. The fewer options, the better. A better way to say this might be to cut out the noise. This is a decision that I decided to make earlier this year that has really changed my life. I am totally guilty of having shiny object syndrome. I plan out my day, plan to be productive, and then I see a webinar promising to teach me how to make a million dollars in one day, lose all the baby weight, be the best mom in the world, or any other topic that tugs at my heartstrings, and bam, instead of my productive day, I'm off running down some rabbit hole trying to make a million dollars. I decided earlier this year to find online mentors who I really liked and to scroll right on past the rest. So I have mentors that I like in different categories, parenting, business, etc., But if I have a question, then gone are the days when I let just any influence out there influence me with their Facebook ad and promises on my Facebook feed when I wasn't even seeking out an answer to that question. When I do have questions, I go to my mentors first. Do they have a podcast, blog post, video, etc. that answers my question? Great, then I go to them and I know that I can trust them. It's absolutely okay to unfollow. In fact, if you're following me and you don't feel like the information I'm providing is serving you for whatever reason, please unfollow. Even if we're friends, we can totally still chat at the grocery store if you aren't following me and that's okay. I think the best way for me to illustrate this tip would be that you want to make most of the decisions in your life be in and out burger decisions, not cheesecake factory decisions. Now, I love me some good Cheesecake Factory, but getting through that menu is a seriously grueling process. I definitely want to save that process for the most important decisions every day. So develop some brand loyalty. Find certain brands you love for clothes and stick to them when shopping. Find certain bloggers you know and trust and stick to their recipes when cooking instead of having to wade through pages and pages of results and reviews. Find a workout instructor you like online or in person and stick to their workouts. Sure, there may be times when you have to branch out, but cutting down the sheer volume of well-intentioned voices out there telling you what you should do can be totally liberating and okay. Okay, my last tip is to make decisions when your mind is in the right place. I should have taken a picture of my grocery cart last night to illustrate this last point. It was nine at night, the kids were finally sleeping, and I had to run to the grocery store for some bananas to meal prep some banana muffins for breakfast throughout the week. When I checked out, my cart had a loaf of French bread, pretzels and Nutella, totally my guilty pleasure snack, a carton of mint cookies and cream ice cream, and I did at least get the intended bananas. Had I gone to the store in the morning, I can almost guarantee that I would have been able to get in and out with just the intended bananas, saving me money and unnecessary emotional eating calories. The cool thing is that you can, and in my opinion you should, totally still plan in fun treats. But if I would have been better at planning ahead and gotten the bananas with the rest of my groceries, and instead of eating unplanned treats, put in my planner something like make cookies with the kids on Wednesday, or head out for ice cream and a family walk on Friday, then suddenly those treats are planned and enjoyed by the family, they foster family relationships, and they don't involve tired me eating cookies and cream ice cream by myself in front of the television. Anyway, I try to do my daily and weekly planning first thing in the morning. I have a morning routine. Remember the importance of routines. They're important for you too, not just your kids and family. 
My morning routine involves studying scripture, gratitude journaling, prayer, and meditation. I usually exercise later in the morning at the gym, but if you don't, the morning is also a great time for some quick exercise. Even 15 to 30 minutes will make a huge difference in your life. After I've taken that time for myself and have gotten my mind in the right place, I'm ready to make some good decisions. So this is when I try to do meal planning so that I'm able to capitalize on that good brain time and spread out the results throughout the week. You don't necessarily have to plan in the morning depending on your schedule, but do give yourself a little bit of self-care. Eat a snack, drink some water before you sit down and plan and see what a difference that can make in the quality of your decisions. All right, those are my six tips for overcoming decision fatigue. Here's a quick recap. Number one, stop making the same decision over and over. Number two, delegate decisions. Number three, develop routines and be consistent about them. Number four, lump related decisions and make one big decision instead of a million tiny decisions. Number five, simplify the decisions that you do have to make. And number six, make decisions when your brain is in the right place. So there you have it. I will reiterate what my good friend said that decision fatigue is real and it totally can make meal planning draining day after day. I hope that implementing one or more of these tips can help you reduce the draining feeling of all the daily decisions we as busy moms or people in general have to make and help you have a little more success on your meal planning journey. Next week, we're talking about a topic that I know so many of you have questions about, how to cook with kids in the kitchen. It's definitely a topic that tries my patience, but is ultimately so rewarding and I can't wait to help you get in the kitchen with your kids. Until next time, happy cooking and happy planning.